0: We are
1: YOD. Where there's a a section of men that believe we're headed towards a a silent generation for men with a lot of the things that have been put into place with the protections for women, um, the LGBTQ community, for whatever reason, it is almost synonymous that if you have LGBTQ members, Black men don't like them. It's this weird synonymous thing that's going on right now. Welcome to the
0: Wild D Podcast, where our primary goal is to keep you informed and to be your central point of contact for what's happening around us. And anytime we get a chance, we'd like to give you something to think about. So if you're new to the show, we cover a wide range of topics from society to sobriety, from the culture to the vultures, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Today's discussion is titled, Who's the Boss? Are you the boss? Or is someone else pulling the strings? And what are the cultural norms that are keeping us in place in the government, religion, and relationship? But before we get into it, do me a favor, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. This podcast is made by listeners just like you. So thank you for your support, and your feedback, and ratings. Now, let's get into it. Out, out. So, it shout out to Wild D. Obviously, if you haven't checked out episode three. Episode three is talking about drinking the Kool-Aid. And um, we had somebody give us some feedback say that we're dropping gems. Dropping gems. So, shout out to you, Joel. Thanks for being a part of that. And keep the feedback coming. We love it. We read everything. We take it and um, anytime you want to give us some types of questions we'll have that episode dropping soon with a few questions that we got from the listeners and just to be able to tell you all that we listen and we take in everything that you are saying so thank you and keep it coming so today's episode that was my show back in the day but we want to take a a different turn on who's the boss and actually think about how it relates to our life typically we go back to those moments in nostalgia and we think about the characters and the roles that they play. But we want to actually look at the characters in our lives, in our day-to-day, and the roles they play, and how they reinforce who we are, or actually try to
1: like mold us into who we think we should be. I love how you started it, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead just a little bit. So when we talk about a boss, anytime we hear that term, we're thinking about somebody who has a level of authority or power or control over a situation, circumstance, and outcome that has people under them that report to them or do their bidding, however you want to kind of spend that. And I'm just going to give you a couple of them. So you have the government is a a big boss. Uh, The church can be a boss. A husband or a wife in the relationship can be a boss. And I love each one of those because when you start to break down what a boss is in those particular areas, it's really interesting how it shakes itself out. So I don't want to go too, too far into it. But as an example, we think about the American government, right? The government makes a, set of, a certain set of rules. Um, it hires a staff and that staff is put in place to enforce those rules or those laws. Uh, and they also have the ability to punish when the rules aren't followed. So when you think about the government, it's like, man, wait a minute. Am I, am I an employee? I do everything that it says an employee would do technically, whether it's I pay my taxes, I, I follow the law, I try to stimulate the account. Everything that the government has put out there, I kind of live according to that standard. So I'm kind of an employee to the government. And I, w- I want to stop there for just a second to get your thoughts on that. And then if you want to expound it all, please do. Your freedom
0: is, is decided by a a group of individuals, right? I I think that that's the price that you pay, even though they say this is a free country. This is the American government that pretty much creates rules in their best interest as they maybe trickle it on down to you to tell you why it's in your best interest. And from that standpoint, if you've ever worked for somebody And shout out to my people that are self-employed, never said I work for nobody a day in my life. I'm not one of those individuals that's able to say that. But if you've ever worked for somebody, then you know that that's exactly how they do, right? I'm going to give you these set of rules for you to do or for you to execute on. And once you don't, then you got to answer me, (laughs) right? And uh, depending on the situation, those rules may change depending on how I feel about it that essentially is your American government that's pretty much operating like the boss.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, so then I'll jump into church real quick. Similar concept, right? The boss in certain cases may be God or Yahweh or Yahshua or depending on what it is you believe um, or where it is that you come from. There's this boss type figure that created everything gave a set of rules for you to follow. When you don't follow those rules, there are consequences. It may not be immediate, but there's a consequence. And if you decide to live your life outside of those rules, then the ultimate goal you may never achieve. But then on a human level, you got the folks inside the church, inside the building, whether it's the preacher or reverend or pastor, whatever you want to call them, whether it's one of the elders, the deacons, one of the men of the church, one of the founding fathers, maybe they helped to start the church. Somebody's going to be in a position of authority. And there are going to be certain rules and regulations that you're expected to fall in line with if you're going to be a member of this particular congregation. And and there's good and bad to that. Just like with the government, there's good and bad to having rules. Rules, for whatever reason, America has taught us that rules are made to be broken. Craziest thing ever. I find that to be ridiculous, a concept, but that's an American thing. I will, I'll say that's, that's something that's out there. And say, I'm not going to say American. That's the thing that's out there. Um, but when you look at the church, you need rules. You don't need people to treat this like it's nothing. If they're serious about it, there needs to be a level of respect. So you need to have certain rules in place. I get that. But then at the same time, what if the person making the rules is rigid? What if it's self-serving? That's the challenge with when we talk about who's the who really is the boss, is the boss in that case, is it going to be God or is it going to be this man that's right here in front of you? And you're putting all your faith in a certain
0: leader of that group that that pretty much can say, hey, I am the closest to God. And because I'm the closest to God, this is the direction that we should go. And I think that that's truly an unfortunate situation. After just even digging into that, I actually um, have a, a book that that goes into strength finders. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, that's a, a, an assessment that people take from more so on the leadership side. And I like it. Um, obviously, being in leadership and development, being aware of your strengths is extremely important, not only as an individual, yes. as a leader, but also when you think about your contributions to a team. The name of the book is called first break all the rules. And, uh, let me tell you how it came up. I was actually given one of my presentations and somebody paused at the, uh, Q and a section and they asked me a question like, Hey, look, my leader is telling me that I need to work on X, Y, and Z. And I understand that this will help me, but I know what my strengths are. What would you suggest I do as I start to build out a plan for what I need to work on over the next six months? I'm like hey look nothing is ever wrong and this is my feedback nothing is ever wrong with ever working on whatever your opportunities are but truthfully you are who you are and you know who you are and what got you to this level so if you could do anything my suggestion is while you're working on that one thing figure out two things that you're really good at and double down on those strengths how can you get better at what you're really good at because those are the things that come easy to you And you can really build on those and they can outweigh whatever that small opportunity area it is. And the crazy part about it was after I said that, then someone sent me a nice email and they gave me feedback and said, Hey, this is their number one book. And it's first break all the rules, what the world's greatest managers do differently from Gallup. So I think that that's extremely important. And I just wanted to share that overall because that's my approach to life. I, I cannot stand in systems that are built and rules that I got to follow by people that aren't me. If it wasn't made for me in my life, then I'm sure that my unconventional way of getting there or getting to the, my goals, um, won't work for everybody. So I can't expect you to follow my rules for how I deem success. But the truth of the matter is if we're going to continue to innovate and grow, we can't go off of the same rules and the same standards of uh, 50 years ago, hundred years ago, a thousand years ago,
1: man, you, you dropped a lot on me right there. Uh, that, that was good stuff. So I, I have a quick question for you first. Um, but before I ask the question, one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, uh, as you know, my wife and I have the business, Sam saving marriage, and we, we do these annual retreats, um, these these retreats for, and and we've done a little bit of a rebrand here, so it's going to change up how we do it in the future, but all good stuff there on the horizon. But one of the very first retreats we ever had, I challenged everybody with a task while we were there, and I said, I want you to write a letter to yourself, and in the letter, I want you to write everything that you would consider to be a flaw about yourself, whether it's physical, emotional, um, in terms of goals, where you are currently, stuff you want to achieve." that you haven't yet or that you don't think you can for whatever reason just everything that you don't like about yourself i want you to just write it all down in the letter to yourself now the letter's yours you don't have to show this to anybody it's for you and Dwayne, do you know what i did as a part of my presentation i read my letter to the group that was what the second hardest thing i've ever done in my life and the purpose was, I knew, I understood, and this is going into my question about leadership and development. I knew and I understood that there was no way that I could stand up loud, proud, and strong in my strengths unless I could acknowledge my flaws. So what I did effectively is I took back all my power. It, it was like it was akin to, if for all of my Detroit people out there or people who support Detroit, Uh, and saw the movie Eight Mile. I don't know if you remember when when B-Rabbit at the end basically said everything negative about himself first before the other dude could. When the other dude got up there, he had nothing to say. He took back all of his power. So I wanted to throw that out there just for people to kind of consider, number one, taking back your power. It's a great concept. I got a, a ton of presentation stuff on that. But bigger than that, in, in leadership and development yes, finding your skills but do they often talk about owning your flaws? Showing your opportunity showing your flaws
0: could be deemed as uh, I guess you would say career limiting. So that that's a level of vulnerability that I have not seen and I can tell you that I 100% disagree with because I'm the type of person in natural. I observe. Like even I, when I went back and I told you, when I observed you, I saw something and I was going to speak up. And then I was like, nope, let me give it some more time. When I saw enough, I'm like, okay, I got to let this dude know he's on another level. Right. And And that's with the good and with the bad. If I'm not in a situation where I'm able to speak up and give feedback, <laughs> that doesn't mean I didn't observe. Right. So people yeah. know. And I would rather give it life and say, hey, look, I know what my opportunities are. I know what my flaws are. But there's some things that you cannot take away from me. And I'm not even going to let you sit there and look at me in the face and act like I don't have this as a strength. Not as a like a this is power. This is force that I have. I'm so good at. Right. (laughs) So I'm okay with that. And I think that that's where you really take back that love, love, ownership of who you are. And the accountability of, okay, this is a gap that I have. And if I ever get to maybe midway point, not to say this is going to ever be a strength for me in this opportunity area, but a midway point, then I'm good. I can continue to build on it. I can continue to work on that. Or I know if I'm building a team where I need to look, that's true leadership i mean that's my thought process on it but that's knowing who you are you have to know your strengths in order to build the right type of team
1: yes and then you can double down on your strengths man that's that's i i I feel like i need to stop you because you should be (laughs) charging for this
0: i have my strengths as well and i also have my opportunities if you reach out to me for my opportunities then i'm just gonna refer you to joel because that's where he picks up you know (laughs) But if you any of these leadership questions you may have or anything about how you direct your business, please reach out to me. And then for the things that I can't help you with, Joe's gonna be the person that's gonna help you.
1: (laughs) That's, that's, That's what a good team does. But but yeah, I'm I'm glad we got there because we we also have to understand, even with the concept of who's the boss, even if you work for a company, I never refer to somebody as my boss. Nobody's my boss. You may uh, lead the title that I have, but you really don't even lead me because I am aware enough. I have put in the work long enough to understand what my skill sets are, what I bring to the table. I manage myself. When we had the conversation about what the job requirements were and what my expectations were, and we agreed and we signed that contract, I no longer need you to quote unquote leave me. The only thing I need for you to do is put me in a position to be successful when I'm not in the room. That's it. That's what a good manager is supposed to do. So who's the boss? Joel's the boss of his own life. I'm the boss. I make the decisions. I need to be able to figure out what I'm good at and I can start by figuring out what I'm bad at. If I can accept those things and then start to put forth the effort to get better, like you said, the easiest thing, man, I love talking. That's easy. I'll go to Yeah, of course I would go to if you if somebody's paying for it. I'll go to a training and and you know for presenting and all that stuff. Absolutely, why not? But talking comes easy. What I need to work on over here, that's where I spend the majority of my time. So when we're having these conversations, I don't even look at this as most people I feel when they look at a podcast, they look at they're trying to change somebody's mind or do This is me and you having a conversation about stuff that matters and resonates with us and us having the foresight to know Joel ain't unique. Dwayne is not unique in the regard that if we're thinking this or we went through this or we have this problem, it's a good chance somebody else has also. So why not talk about what we experience in attempting to reclaim that boss title for ourselves for other people? Yeah, I mean, simply put, if I had to answer the
0: question, who is the boss? I am. Right. And and I would want everybody listening to be able to give that same answer and be confident in themselves. What, if you need to find some time to identify whatever your strengths are then then take that time out to do that right stop listening right now hit pause and go find out whatever your strengths are but you want to know yourself before you present yourself if you cannot then you fall into these traps where we have the conversation talking about the government and we become loyal let's just say i'm going to go back to the government for one quick second okay i'm not disrespecting anybody that's worked in the government not disrespecting anybody that's ever served. I am a family member of veterans. Some of my best friends are veterans. However, I've seen that whole game that's played that because this person was a veteran, because this person served, now their kid feels like it's their right to do that. And then that, their duty. I, yeah, there's their duty, right? Because that's what makes that person achieve the same level of success or honor and glory as the ones that come before him. Now, keep in mind, there was a one point in time where these people were drafted. Yes. And if you did not decide to go to war, you were jailed. Yes, sir. Right. And, and I'm not trying to get into the politics of it, but I just want you to understand that the way, and we stop saying this, but we did communicate this for a very long time. This is a free country. Mm-hmm. So if it's a free country, then how were, why were people jailed for not fighting a war somewhere they didn't else? Start. Yeah, they didn't start. And it had nothing to do with them. And they were suffering right here where they live. Gems. Right. Some Try people even gems. went back to go fight this war to come back and say, you know what, I fought for this country. I fought for for you to be racist to me, to put yeah. up systemic laws to to me, to, to hurt me and my opportunity to provide for my family. I went and fought for you to have that opportunity. Right? Yes, then you sir. have to ask the question, who's the boss in that situation? So if you, if, if you look at me and I say I'd rather serve time, and yeah, obviously I'm talking about Muhammad Ali. This man had to serve time and give up a heavyweight champ when he obviously, from a tax perspective, he was contributing more yep. just fighting. As right, free man. It's a free man. Right. And then they, they said, you know what? You know, in order to set this law, or to 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 prove my point, we're going to put you in this prison. Yes. Right? And, oh. and that's such an unfortunate situation where you got to think about it and say yeah they make the rules they hire staff to enforce it and they punish when the rules aren't followed yeah. right same yep. thing with the church i had a conversation with one leader senior pastor of a church an amazing person highly educated and i talked about the importance of mentorship that's the train that i'm on like being able to give back and lift people up and having a council of individuals that are able to check you if you go off the path. And I I think that that helps me stay in line, but also gain perspective in certain situations where I may be flying off the handle. So it's extremely important. I talked to this pastor and I said, hey, you know, you are the person that people go to for support. You are the person that people go to for guidance, right? And you have a tough decision to make. Who do you go to? And he looked at me and he said, I don't have anybody. I go to God. So I'm like, oh, so now people look at you as, as God. God. And that's what power ends up doing. That's what, when you look at the American government, no disrespect. I live here, right? And I understand what people are going to say. If you don't like it here, then just leave move away, right? Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it, you know? Mm-hmm. You give me my 40 acres in a mule somewhere else and I might go. How about that? All right. Another conversation. Had to clap back real quick. So yeah. from that standpoint, from from the church's perspective, if you have nobody to counsel you, then you are taking on the power of Deity. that, that yeah. person that people cannot see and that people that, that dream, that, that thing that we know that is ultra powerful you're pretty much taking the flesh and blood version of that. Yes. So with everything you say, people have to do because you are the highest representation of that
1: on earth. That's not right. Hey, Finn. you, you own it today. I, I don't know. Hey, I, I don't know what's in that, in that container, <laughs> but it's, it's giving you superpowers right now. I need some of that.
0: It's just some ginger water, man. I got a little fruit in there, but that's it. Just ginger water.
1: Oh, my goodness. So it's a couple of things I want to I want to jump back to. Number one, my my goodness, everything that you just said about the church, that is so crazy. And, and I, I, I know I have some crazy opinions from time to time and I, I give some spicy takes from time to time. And when I'm doing that, please, anybody who's listening, understand my goal is not to be a shock jock. My goal is this is something that I've actually thought about, spent time researching. It's the only reason I'll speak on it. So it's not meant or intended to be, like you say, a disrespect or be disingenuous or just to kind of elevate myself over somebody else. That's not the point. It's just these are observations that I've made. Do you know what they call the Pope? The vicar of Christ. Do you know what the vicar of Christ is? So to simplify, and, and I'll pull up a, a, a actual hard definition here in a minute just so people can actually hear that, but it's basically God, on, well, Jesus on earth. It's the intermediary. It's the go-between. So as the Pope, I am your direct connection to God. Isn't that interesting? So to your point. It ain't just the Catholic church, it's any church, it's any established organization where people are a part of it. If there's power to be had, they're going to be people who fight for it and do whatever they can to get it and keep it. So another thing that you said that really, really piqued my interest was when you talked about when a parent does it, the child more than likely is gonna wanna do it too. Talking military. Let's talk fraternity. What do they call it when grand, granddad, grandma, mom, dad, child is all a part of the same fraternity? Legacy. So think about that again. Who's the boss? If, if the expectation is my mom and my dad are both in fraternities and sororities, my sister, my brother, I got to be one too. Am I the boss at that point? Or am I just doing it because I'm a part of, I'm an employee? Right. Do you, you know what I'm saying?
0: And, and that's one thing that I brought to my parents. I love them. I love them. They were taught certain things that you, the only knowledge that you could get was an historical fact or something that a recognized individual may have wrote in a book. And yep. uh, the the tough part about that is who were the financiers of that work that work right yes yes and if we don't know that then we don't know what what's behind it and that's what makes me ask those questions who are the individuals like no disrespect but even the president of the richest place in the land that person isn't the final decision maker they're individuals that pushed their person's campaign, right? And I'm pretty sure they say, hey, look, man, you know, I just did this for you. I need some land or I need this deal to go through. Or instead of Amazon, I need Oracle or whatever the situation may be. (laughs) Right. Um, That person's going to get exactly what they want. So just some things to think about. But Joel, I wanted to uh, talk about one more area of who's the boss. Okay. And wanted to hit home and, and it could be husbands, wives, it could be just from a relationship standpoint and you haven't really made that commitment from a, a marriage standpoint, but I wanted to talk about it from that because I know there's a lot of individuals, at least what I've seen over the pandemic, some people made the step to say, hey, let's get married or let's separate. So from that perspective, I wanted to like think about who's the boss in that relationship?
1: Wow. No, that, that's a good one. Especially right now, it's a hot topic. Uh, for anybody who... So I'm big in in the... Uh, <laughs> another spicy take. I'm big into what's considered the quote-unquote manosphere. And there's this section of uh, social media, specifically like YouTube, in uh, other places where you can p- put a lot of content like that where there's a a section of men that believe we're headed towards a a silent generation for men with a lot of the things that have been put into place with the protections for women, um, the LGBTQ community, for whatever reason, it is almost synonymous that if you have LGBTQ members, black men don't like them. It's this weird synonymous thing that's going on right now, which I think is, nonsense but anyway we'll, that can be another topic another day um but but when i'm when i'm looking at relationships and who's the boss when i think about the nuclear family i grew up on the concept of happy wife happy life that was just a concept it was out there and it was it was presented uh even tv shows like uh my brother and i were were sending texts back and forth the other day with um uh, videos from YouTube with Al Bundy, married with children. And if you think about it, most husbands in the 90s, early, mid-90s, even into the 2000s, were always idiots. And it's these subtleties that we don't pay attention to where somebody is programming you to believe a certain thing. So who's the boss? Men, from a male perspective, depending on the type of men you're around, they may tell you, no, you the boss, you run this, you do this, you do this. But then from a subconscious perspective, they're telling you, no, your wife really runs everything. You're not intelligent enough. You're not intellectually or emotionally evolved enough to manage your own affairs. You need a woman to do that for you. And then on the other side, it's, oh, you ain't, You go out there and you get as many women as you can. It's, it's this weird position that men find themselves in right now, where I do believe we're getting to that point where that silent generation, look at cancel culture, what it's done, that silent generation for men, it, it may come a point where we really can't speak our mind or we'll get canceled. And I think about, again, that concept of the title, who's the boss in a marriage. And I, I I'd rather, I, I, I'm going to say my piece, of course, but I would rather hear other people's perspective on who's the boss in a marriage. Because what you'll hear is people say, well, I think it's 50-50. It's 50-50. But then you'll ask a question like, well, if it's 50-50, who's expected to get up in the middle of the night if somebody's breaking into the house? Is that 50-50? Is there equality? Who's expected to cook or clean? Because if you say that or ask a woman that in 2021, it's offensive. So then that means, well, it's not really... I need to be able to do that. I need to be able to bring that to the table. So it's a it's a great question in terms of marriages. But let's talk about relationships in general, like a friendship. Who's the boss? Do you want to be a boss of a relationship with a friend? And is just, is it, can it simply be defined as this is a person I consider to be a friend, but they don't really have the, my best interest in mind. The situations they put me in, what they require of me, Um, they're never there to support or to help me or to listen when I'm going through it, but they always come to me. If they need money or help, they come to me. But I can't do that. I can't count on the same. And maybe the boss is, all right, I need to put a little distance between us in this relationship. Do we look at it that way? Or do we just look at it as, oh man, this ain't, sometimes you got to change your perspective, which is why outlets like this are so, so critical, especially in our community. People need to hear it, like being the boss when it comes to friendships, Joel's opinion. I don't think there's a such thing as a boss, but if you're going to make a quote unquote boss move, that means going back to what we talked about in leadership and development. What are my strengths? What are my opportunities? Joel came from a broken home. Joel has a savior complex in certain instances. Am I allowing myself to be taken advantage of because I so badly want to help somebody else because I didn't get the help I needed as a kid. And this is how it's manifesting itself 20, 30 years later. So that's my thought on
0: that. Well, I I love where you're going. It even ties down to like that note that you wrote for yourself and standing up and then reading that from my perspective I would hope that it ended up happening to where maybe everybody didn't do the same follow suit, but somebody else felt confident enough to share that with another person. Right. And, and, and that process is I'm giving power to myself and to the progress and accountability to what I want to be by calling out that I have flaws. Like true story, me and my wife, We are learning more about each other now. Mm. Double digits in years being married, learning more about ourselves now than we did before we decided to get married. Wow. And it's so cool to watch us go through it together. I'm looking at her and we're able to call out like little things that we picked up when we were kids and we didn't know where this came from. And it's almost like that evolution of life. Like I watch myself grow again by watching my kids grow by watching our relationship grow. Like we're not a teenager yet in our relationship of years married, but we're in that preteen mode. Right. (laughs) And, and it's, it's great to see before our relationship goes through that puberty because some people like to rush it. I'm being real. I'm looking at our relationship as a, as a something that's growing and it will evolve into its own thing over time. We all have to wear a certain hat. In a relationship, but knowing yourself allows you to wear that hat and have it fitted. It's totally different. You know, you put on the hat and you're like, "Man, this thing too big, and wind blow it fall off your head." You're not ready for that, right? You haven't grown into that one. <laughs> but having that hat fitted, to where it's like, "Yes," and it complements the outfit. It complements what you're wearing and how you're viewed. What you're bringing to the table don't wear that baseball cap with no tuxedo. It's not going to hit, right? Yeah. You got to have a fitted hat for the relationship and depending on what you're going to do at that time. And that that's how I look at it from my perspective. And I would encourage everybody else to also know what their strengths are, what you bring to the table in order to be in a relationship and then y'all vibe off each other the right way
1: to where you're growing. That's a healthy relationship. Yes, Absolutely. absolutely. And you know, it's funny, um, it it takes me back to a church term that we grew up on, which was submission. And it it speaks about, man, it speaks about a wife being submissive to her husband all the time, but it never talks about a husband being submissive to a wife. So it caused a lot of heartache for people because they didn't know how to take that. But when when you are logical, You understand one thing, and that's the point that you were just making. I am am the leader of my household. That's a responsibility. It's not a choice. It's a responsibility, number one. That means the product that leaves my house every day, I'm responsible for that. If it don't look good, that's on me. At least that's how the world's going to look at it. Whether I'm doing the right things or not, that doesn't matter. I'm talking about the perspective. I'm the disciplinarian. My wife is, she does her thing too, but they know it's coming for me. But I'm also the fun parent. They want to play. Who are they gonna come with? They're gonna come play with me. When they wanna be nurtured, I may I may be holding them, but they see get a crack of mom. Mama. mama come down, what happened? They gone. They're going right to mama. So there has to be an understanding too that people have. Submission is not a one-way street. Submission simply, to me, just means being agreeable. That's all it means. Submission means, I'll give you a great example. My wife and I, we we got our hands in a lot of pots. We're trying to do a lot of stuff. She, she teaches. She has a side business where she tutors. She has the business, Sam, that she started, and we work together, and we're growing that thing out. And then there's the stuff that Joel's doing. Whatever my wife is trying to accomplish, because I know her goals, it's never about gaining something personally. It's about giving something. I get behind that all day. You want to quit your job for a year? That's a conversation that's come up. We still need to have it. You want to quit your job for a year and kind of step back and focus full time? I support that because I know what you're trying to accomplish. If it was you want to get more money, you want to be able to not have to get up and do anything. You want to get up at 12, one o'clock in the afternoon and chill and just nah, that's not the case. I want to do it and put in. I want to grind for me. I can get behind that. That's submission. Submission is this scary word that we've made it mean something that it doesn't mean. So, again, who's the boss in a a relationship, in a marriage? There shouldn't be one. You know what? You're, You're bringing
0: it up on a deeper level now that i'm thinking about submission i think about it like going back to the root of when i learned what submission meant i didn't look at it from a relationship standpoint and my favorite wrestler is brett the hitman Hart, and he had this he had this move it was called the sharpshooter but at that one point in time he put you in a sharpshooter you're not saying that you can't wrestle anymore you're not saying that (laughs) you're not saying that he's the best ever you're saying that at this point in time you value tapping out and hey you got me you got this i'm gonna live to fight another day right this is that one thing that you have you bring this to the table and i'm in this situation where i need you to take this off of me right that's that's that submission and in a relationship that's what you got to think about like yeah, there's certain things that you could possibly do that your wife can do as well. And from a disciplinary standpoint, I'm sure your wife, if she needed to, she could step it up. However, it's like, hey, I play my, my role, I know what my yes. strengths are, yes. and that this thing right here is best that you take on that role. It's best that you take it from here. That's true submission. Not how we kind of, how we brought it together
1: From a religious standpoint, yes, that needs to change. I agree. So let me give you a great example of that. So I don't cook. But guess what? My wife and I weren't married forever. So that means at one point I had to. The deal my wife and I made, she cooks. Guess what I do? Clean up the dishes every time. She never has to clean up. And if she's cooking, she never has to touch anything. You just clean, then you go sit down. Sorry, but but the point I'm making is that's the submission. Like I can cook, yes. I don't really like to, I don't enjoy it. I'm not even gonna sit here in front like I'm the greatest at it. My wife is good at it. So she probably is like, yeah, I don't really love your cooking. I appreciate it, but I'll, I'll do that. And I'm like, you do that, I'll do this. You ain't never got to worry about you. You ain't never got to take the trash out. You ain't never got to do this. And it's an appreciation, but it's a submission again. It's not this big umbrella, it's an onion. There are levels to submission. There's levels to being a boss in terms of making decisions like getting our house refinanced and, and making sure that we're getting the best rates and all that, I'm a boss. I own that. Comes to getting a new vehicle, checking it out, making sure we're getting the best. I'm a boss. I'm doing that all day. When it comes to protection for the house, whatever it takes, security, technology, weapons, whatever it is, I'm a boss. But guess what? When it comes to running the household from within, outside of me just putting my foot down as a disciplinarian or being there to play, she runs circles around me. But guess what? I respect it. I understand it. You think I get jealous of my wife because my kids come to her when when they hurt? No. It's just something she blessed with. I ain't got that like that. So I'm going to get out the way. I'm not going to make my kids feel guilty. Wait, hold on, baby. You you don't want to come sit with me? You want to go to mommy? That's messed up. Why would I do that? And in the same token, when they want to play and have fun, my wife is like, oh, so he the fun parent? You don't want to play with me? It never happens because the boss thing the submission thing, we understand our strengths. We understand our weaknesses. And as a result, we act accordingly. Makes me think this whole approach to
0: being the boss could, could definitely be, I mean, the whole idea, if you actually approach it like I am the boss or I am your boss, going back to understanding your strengths, man, that's definitely a flaw. And knowing your yes. flaws give yourself room and opportunity to create a level of accountability to improve that. And it can also damage relationships whether you're the American government, the yes. church, or in a uh, friendship, marriage, however you want to look at it.
1: Can I can I, can I drop one more thing it. before we get out of here? Because it feels like we're winding now. For anybody who has never read the book, The Art of War by Sun Tzu, I suggest it just based off a strategy alone. What I love the most about Sun Tzu, people think that his whole concept before they dig into it is just about winning. He's a great winner. He won a lot of wars. He, he, He was a great leader of military practices, practices that are still used today. What I love about him is that his goal was to avoid the fight altogether. If we can avoid the fight altogether, both of us are going to win. But the way he did it was, I'm going to make you think either my army is bigger or smaller and tricky, whatever way, whatever it is, I'm going to use you to leverage my strength. And that's the way I try to look at life now. Like, Being strategic in the moves you make is so critically important. If I know that in my home, the best way to operate is this way, then I can't let my emotions when I'm upset about something, when I'm sad or whatever it is, impact the fact that I already know this. When I'm in the world, I already know that there are systems in place to make it a point to stop me from getting to a certain point. I get that. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to have certain confrontations. I'm not going to get pulled over by police for having expired tags or a broken taillight or broken headlight. It's not going to happen because I already understand what it is. So if we do, for whatever reason, me and a police officer have an interaction and it happened, actually. And, and this white woman pulled me over. And she was just like, now nah, this is at the height of when stuff is going on crazy mm-hmm. prior to George Floyd. You know, let's let's not pretend like George Floyd was the height of it. It's been at the height for years. Oh, yeah. So we're talking back around like Mike Brown time. And she pulls me over and I was just like, I didn't understand what she pulled me over for. And she really couldn't give me a good explanation. But I did not respond to her in a way that could have escalated the situation. Not because I was trying to, quote unquote, play the game, but because I already understand what it is. So there's no need to even play a game. I already know you're probably going to be on some BS. I don't know you. I don't know how your day's going. Your morning might suck. You might just got slapped by your husband or you might've just slapped your husband or your kids or vice versa or your wife, whatever it is. I don't know what happened before we interacted. So why am I going to add to a potential stressor when I already know what it is. So I'm just like, all right, you said I did that. I don't have a, I don't have a camera on. I can't take it back and watch it again. So okay. That wasn't my intention. That ain't what I was trying to do. It was a stop sign. You say it was a rolling stop. I live right here. So I always stop in this trap, but that's what you say. That's cool. And guess what happened? All right, well, just uh, yep. Just make sure you stop and keep going. All right, cool. You have to already, you have to get to a point where you understand, again, those strengths and those weaknesses. If I know I'm triggered by any time I see a Black person get killed, it's a high probability that somebody could come with some, some propaganda about hating white people, and I could become susceptible to it. That's a weakness for me. So all right, now every time I see this, I've got to wait. Let me get more details. Let me get more information before I go in. And as a result, I can talk to you about Brianna Taylor, Ahmad Arbery. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like strengths, weaknesses. I know that I'm triggered by it. So instead of getting triggered first, let me sit back. Let me get the details as much as I can get. Let me understand who this person is. Let me understand who this officer is. Let me get all this info before I weigh in. What happens is. When you're talking about who's the boss, we're not waiting to get the details. We're moved by emotion. And sometimes that emotion is based off of what's best for my life. So we got a boss that's treating us bad, but we know we need that money to keep the lights on. What do we do? Take it. (laughs) Take it. Take it. And keep it moving. Yep. So say all that just to say, um, for anybody listening, Take some time. Understand where you're weak, but also understand where you're strong, because it takes less work to get stronger. It takes a whole lot more work to correct those areas of opportunity. So like Finn said earlier, you got one thing you're great at, what else are you pretty good at? Start putting some effort towards that. Now you're dope at two things, and the things that you're not really good at, just keep on working. It's a slow process, a slow grind. If you're susceptible to being triggered by race, spend some time working on you. Stop. Stop getting triggered. Stop getting triggered. Stop getting triggered. I love that, man.
0: No, I love that. And I think that that's great. Just tying in with the overall theme, knowing your strengths, acknowledging your areas of opportunity but giving life to it as well. You write it down. And even if you're not ready to share that with anybody, you know, share it with yourself, revisit that. So then when these two or three things that you're looking at, maybe it's an opportunity personally or professionally come up. Now you have some active plans that you can build on to say, okay, this is where I want to get to at least a midpoint, or I want to be better than sucking in these three things. I think from that perspective now, (laughs) let's just say it's from an emotional standpoint, When you see certain things, think about what your strengths are, personally. Think about what caused you to get triggered. And then also think about what systems you're going to put in place so you can get to, okay, maybe I'm not as triggered. I understand that it's there and now I can be held accountable for what I do instead of just flying off the handle. Awesome. Yes. Joel, is there anything that you would want to say? Uh, to close us out and give you that opportunity.
1: Man, um thank you again for for providing an opportunity for me to get stuff off my chest. Like these these conversations, man, like I said, I don't look at this as work. This is me and you, two men having a conversation about stuff that really happens. And and there's no freer There's nothing that makes me feel freer than getting that off of my chest. So thank you for that. Um, Again, to anybody listening, spend some time just working on you. Just try to evolve. Just try to get better. And you do that by figuring out what you're good at and what you're not really good at. And then the stuff that you're good at, if you can connect that, like I said before, whatever I'm good at, if I can use that to serve somebody else, that's probably your purpose in life. So try to figure that out. And the stuff that you're not so good at, don't allow that to outshine the stuff that you are good at. That's really the key. We all got flaws and we're not going to be able to get rid of them all. And that's okay, As long as those flaws don't outshine where you're incredible. Be incredible as much as possible. I love it. Till next time.
0: Please share the podcast with your friends and frenemies because of whether it's news, entertainment or health, everybody's dosing something. Come and get yours as we aspire to inspire until you expire. Till next time.